a little farther. We could honor, notice how I'm saying this, we could. We could honor and celebrate women's successes and their contributions contributions to society, to society at every level. And I thought about this for a moment. In the home, first of all, just being, uh, you know, I don't believe that we give honor enough to women that are homemakers. In a culture that of great value upon um, being in the business community or career-minded women, and those are powerful things. And I'm not here to say anything negative against that. But, you know, there are some women that have purposely chosen to stay at home. And, and I always want to honor them as well. And so we could also, but we think about those that are to a degree biovocational and that, the educate, that they've worked in the education system. We've got a lot of ladies in our church family that have been involved in the school systems. And I'll tell you, they've, la- they've left a lasting impact on young adults all over this community, right? And they should be honored. And then there are those that are in the business world. And I'm not just talking about in our church. I'm just talking about women in general in the business world. And certainly in the political world, you know, women have been given opportunities in the last 20 and 30 and 40 years that were held back from them for hundreds of years. And you can even go into science and certainly the medical community and even militarily. There's a, such a shift of uh, the, the application of both genders in the military. And so we can honor all of those ladies. And, and to a degree we will and to a degree we should. But I want to say this, we can honor and we could celebrate her beauty because the reality is of all of God's creation, I don't know if there's any more beautiful than that of my wife. And every man under the sound of my voice should feel that way about their wife, right? And so we could, we could celebrate the beauty of women both inward and outward because the Bible does speak about inward beauty. Bible says it's in the sight of God of great price. It's greater than in any pearls or gold or jewels that you could wear outwardly. If you have that meek and quiet spirit, the Bible, uh, you know, commends that in the word of God. And so we could celebrate that today. Now we could celebrate the unique body design and distinction of a woman in a non-sexual manner. Let me say that again. We could celebrate. So let's think for a moment, a womb. The distinction, God called Adam, which is Adam in the Hebrew, and a man. And he named his wife, woe man, womb man, womb man is what it meant. She had a distinction, she had a womb. The very fact that you can carry life inside of you, whether or not you have or not, whether or not you will or not, that's not the moment that we should even, that we have to celebrate. Just the fact that you can, to all of us men, that's amazing, Come on, I, I held be- six beautiful, I was there beside Sherry. I stress that, beside her. They took the baby from the womb and they handed it to me. But the very fact that she was able to conceive seed, house life inside of her, feel it move and jump and respond and, and all of those things. I mean, that's an awesome thing that it, we could stand in just amazement at that alone. Also, her breast, the very fact that she can nurse that child, the very fact that I could take her to a restaurant, we could go to Olive Garden, and she could have a big bowl of green salad, and in a few hours, she could nurse my child and give white milk. I don't know how all that works, (laughs) but I'm just telling you, 
when you think about it, it's awesome. And so we could honor those things today, but I want to share with you, there's two passages of Scripture that we're going to go to. It's in the New King James Version, Luke chapter 11, verse 27. If it's New King James or King James, does it matter? But Jesus has been teaching. And matter of fact, he was teaching some, some very intense doctrine because he had just got through talking about uh, casting out devils and Beelzebub and just, I mean, the, the strength of his doctrine because he taught as one that had authority and not as the scribes and his ministry is starting to create reverberations within the, the culture of Judaism and in the people of, of ancient Israel. And so as he's teaching, you know, there was always a mixed populace in the crowd with Jesus. There would often be religious people. There often were soldiers. There were businessmen. Uh, but there were always women amongst them. There were fishermen. So there was a young and old alike, small children, you remember, suffer the little children. So this host of people is gathered, and Jesus has been teaching. And in the midst of him teaching, it says here that as he spoke these things, so kind of in the middle of a sermon, a lady stood up and she just felt like she should say these things with a loud voice and she just raised her voice up and she said blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you and so in essence she said let's start mother's day so i want to celebrate your mom here today and, and so you could just put this in, in, in and we could put it in our culture she, she said this right here she said you know what let's celebrate the feminine design let's get t-shirts printed Let's get coffee cups. Let's get pink bracelets. Let's get handbags. Let's just sell. We could even call it Mother's Day. And let's just have a celebration about not only your mom, Jesus, because we know she was a godly woman, but, we, but let's just celebrate womanhood as a whole. And that was to a degree, if you could just kind of read into that, those were tied to her words. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But I want you to see Jesus' response because this was a prelude to God speaking to my heart to share with the ladies that are here today. In the 28th verse, as it turns over here, he said this. He said, but rather, King James Version, rather, another passage of Scripture, he says, or in the, another translation, it says, more than that, more than that. In essence, what he's saying, what you're saying is good. What you're saying is good. Because she said this, blessed is the womb that bore you, blessed are the paps, King James Version, New King James, the breast that nursed you, blessed. I want to call that woman blessed. But notice what Jesus said, but rather, or more than that, what you said is good. What we want to do, I'm okay with that. But he said, but more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, tied to that is a powerful principle that Jesus would say to the woman that stood in the midst of the crowd in a male-dominated society and say, I want to celebrate your mom, and we know that Jesus loved his mother till his dying breath on the cross. We know that he had great compassion and sympathy, and he even went out of his way oftentimes to satisfy demands that she placed upon him and his schedule. So he loved his mother. He believed in honoring his father and his mother. Yes, but he created a contrast, and he said, you know what? That's a good thing, but I said, I want to go one farther than that. He said, let's honor those, and let's recognize those that are blessed by those that hear the word of God and keep it. So today, let me tell you this, Mom, you're blessed. 
Lady, you're blessed. You're blessed today because you have an opportunity to hear the authoritative word of God, to allow it resound in your heart and your mind, and to hear it and to meditate upon it, and then to let it produce change in your life. That's what Jesus said will make you blessed. Not whether or not your family takes you out today. Not whether or not we give you a carnation at the end of the service. Not whether or not we recognize anything to do with your distinction as a woman or whether you're a mother. But rather the fact that you've got an opportunity to hear God's word. Come on now, church family, to hear the word of God and then to keep it and to obey it. So if I can say anything, and I, I, I preface those words with if, 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 because this is difficult. This is difficult for me. When you say, well, pastor, what can you say to me as a woman? You say, I'm a, you're a woman, I'm a man, and I'm up here trying to preach to women today. And maybe in the back of your mind, you say, pastor, what can you, you don't know what it was like to have a life inside your womb. I understand. You don't know what it's like to have a menstrual cycle. Thank you, Jesus, for those small things in life. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I don't know that. So, no, I can't identify with everything about your life. I can't. And I, I'm not going to stand up here and be a hypocrite and pretend that I can. I can't, t I can't identify with uh, your emotions. I can't identify with, your, with, with anything of that nature. But the one thing I can bring you today is this right here. If I could say anything at all to you today, it's this right here. Become a woman of the word. I'm telling you, I believe God laid that on my heart for every woman under the sound of my voice today. If I could say anything at all to you today, and that is become a woman of the word of God. Get in the word and get the word inside you. First Peter chapter number 3 says this, After this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. The holy women trusted in God. Listen to this. Whose daughters you are. Whose daughters you are if you do well. And the thing that you can do and you can do well is you can hide the word of God in your heart. You can read and study and meditate upon it. I love the words of Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 20. Listen to this. It says, this is the prophet Jeremiah crying to the women of his generation. He said, hear the word of the Lord, O ye women, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Hear the word of the Lord. Ladies, there's so many things that you can do for the glory of God, but it starts with a desire to hear God's word. There's so many ways that you can serve your family. There's so many ways that you can serve in the community. There's so many ways that you can make a difference and an impact, whether you're in the business world or whether you're a homemaker or whether you're a little bit of both. But it starts, if you really want to be pleasing to God, if you really want to have a faith that God will come in, it starts with a willingness to hear the word of God. To, to set your heart to be receptive to when the word is spoken, both in preaching and teaching, but also in your private devotions, and say, God, make my heart parchment. And God, let the Holy Spirit pin on my heart the revealing power of your word that will produce change inside of me. Amen. That's better preaching than y'all are shouting in here today. Let's go a little bit farther. I've heard complaints about the supposed male chauvinism or male superiority in the Scripture. That in essence, it seems there's so much reference to men, ladies are not mentioned very often. I've heard that argument, and I'm not here to agree with or fight against that argument. But here's what I want to say. Scripture is filled with the testimony of women whose life and faith have impacted her family, her community, and her nation. The scripture is filled with those testimonies. 
I want you to know as a pastor, I read and I learn from their testimony. Now, I understand there's a difference between doctrine and testimony. And I, I study doctrine to gain instruction, but I study testimony to gain inspiration. And when I read the testimony of others and how God's used them, I'm telling you that I say, man, God, if you use them, you can use me. Right? And so as I've read the Word of God, I'm telling you, I have found this. God speaks to you as an individual, all of us, male or female. God speaks to us through the lives of women equally as he does through men. In the same manner of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is what we call the Hebrew Hall of Faith. The Bible says this, the writer says, concerning those that he mentioned, he said, who obtained a good report through faith. The good report of the women that's been captured by the writers of Scripture and the brief accounts of their heroic faith produces in me an inspiration to believe God, to trust in the Lord. I believe that you, and I'm going to speak to the ladies for a moment, but this is to every person here, you can identify with women of faith. You can make, as I've said before, biblical association. Their record and their testimony will inspire you to believe. Will it not? It will inspire you to believe. Now, there's a process of preaching, and I've got a particular, uh, two, uh, two particular women I'm going to focus on today in a few moments. But there's a means that the Hebrews often used in their discourses that I've saw in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, where often they will just trace down in their preaching moments the brief histories or the testimonies of some, even in a sermon. So it's very shallow in the sense we're not going into uh, great detail about the individuals, but it's broad in the sense that you're just able to everybody receive something because you're like, man, I can identify with that particular lady. So I'm just going to just kind of just share with you uh, some thoughts that came to my mind as I reflected upon women that I have studied their life and their testimony in the scriptures, and I found inspiration. I was noticing in my studies this week that there were three women at a well or with water that really have impacted my life through their testimony. One was Rebecca when she met the servant of Abraham that was, in, that was searching out for a, a wife for his son Isaac, for Abraham's son Isaac, and how this young virgin girl was willing to draw water and give water to the camels of a stranger that she had never met before. And then I thought to myself a moment, so there's a virgin girl that's responding to an opportunity to serve and God promoted her to be the wife of Isaac and the heir of the inheritance of Abraham. Then I thought about the widow at Zarephath who had gone outside the city to die and she was gathering sticks to make her last meal and die because of the ravaging of the famine. And the Bible says that the aged prophet Elijah had sojourned for 40 days to arrive at the city and while there he said to her, woman, can you please go get me a cup of water. So here's a woman willing to serve again an unknown man that she's never met before and she's got a desire to serve. We know that because of her belief in God, God honored her faith and caused her meal barrel and her cruise of oil to not fail till he sent rain on the earth. So again, I was thinking about it just a little bit deeper. Then I thought about the woman at the well in John chapter number four, that Jesus, when he sent his disciples into the city to buy food, he sat down beside the well and he talked to an unnamed woman that came during the noon hour because of her own 
past history. She wouldn't come when the other women would come because here's the reality. She had five husbands previously and the one she was living with right now wasn't her husband. And when Jesus asked her to draw water, she was surprised that he would even talk to her, the type of woman she was, the fact she was a Samaritan on top of that. And when they began to dialogue together, Jesus turned to her and said, woman, if you knew who was standing in front of you, you would ask of him living water and he would give it to you and you would drink out of that well and never thirst again. Glory to God. And so, God, the testimony of those three women involved in giving water sparked faith and inspired me. I'm telling you, many times I found encouragement when Sarah received seed at 90 years of age. I went to bed last night at 1040, listening to one of my favorite preachers, a black pastor out of California, Bishop Noel Jones, preaching a message called, God has made me laugh. It's all I can do to not preach like Leroy in here today. If I just, I can preach like Leroy, I'm just not sure I got pianists that can accompany me to help me go to the next level. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And I got, I got so stirred in my spirit as I went to bed because he was preaching about her in her 90 years of life, longing for a child, no child, the deadness of her womb, the deadness of Abraham's loins. But God breathed on her womb and brought her dead womb back to life, brought Abraham's loins back to life, and the Bible made her laugh. Glory to God. God made her laugh. And I found myself laying in bed at 1045 laughing with her because of the... I'm telling you, God can speak to you, lady, out of his word. If you'll just read his word, God will speak to you. Rebecca left her family and married Isaac, sight unseen, love at first sight. Miriam played the tambourine and she prophesied to Israel. Jochebed, the wife of Amram, during the time of captivity in the land of Egypt, looked at the child that was nursing on her breast and she didn't see a slave boy born in poverty, born under the chains of slavery to Pharaoh. She saw a deliverer. She saw something more. She said, this is a goodly child. God's going to raise this child up. I can't just throw him to the crocodiles. I can't allow the soldiers to come and slaughter him. I've got to trust him into the hands of God. And I love the story how she got paid. You talking about the WIC program? That's better than the WIC program right there. She got paid to nurse her own baby at her breast. Come on, somebody. And marked him, marked him to the time that he arrived when he was 40 years of age. And he looked like an Egyptian. He was trained to be an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian, but deep inside. Come on, that's why, you, Mama, don't give up on your children today. If you brought them up in the house of God, if you nourish them around your feet and you taught them the good word of God, they may look like the world today. But I'm telling you, deep inside, still the seed of the word of God that you sowed in their heart and God can bring it back around. God can bring it to life at the right time. J.L. killed the leader of Israel's enemies with a tent peg, snuck in while he was sleeping when they were all searching for him. And J.L. found him and slipped in and she killed him with a tent peg. An unnamed woman in the word of God threw a stone from the city wall and killed the wicked king Abimelech to the degree that later David gave testimony to her and said, did not Abimelech die when he went too close to the wall and a woman threw a rock down and killed him from the top of the wall. I read in the word of God that there was an honorable woman who halted Joab from destroying a city using her testimony 
and the credit that she had as an honorable woman and saved the entire city from destruction. We're all familiar with Ruth, the Moabitess, who followed Naomi back to the land of Bethlehem and eventually became great-great-grandmother to King David and eventually becoming in the lineage of Jesus himself. Come on, somebody. Lady, if you can't find testimony in the Word of God and the testimony of these women and find inspiration, it's because you're not listening to the Word of God. It's not reading the Word of God for your faith. And this is not just for women. This is for all of us. Esther interceded for the nation. Mordecai, her uncle, said these words to her. They speak to us today. They speak to ladies today. He said, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Ma'am, maybe that's why you've got a distinction on your life. Maybe that's why you talk and act differently than the ladies at the office or where you work with or, or, or the people that are around you or even your family. Maybe it's because God's raising you up to be a difference maker in their life. Maybe you've come to the kingdom for this time right here, for this time right now, and you find inspiration. Many women ministered to Jesus. We read that in the Word of God. We read that there was a woman, that, an unnamed woman that came and washed the feet of Jesus with her tears, not with a basin filled with water drawn from a well, but she washed the feet of Jesus with her tears because her heart was so convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit that was upon this man. And he offered her forgiveness as she dried the tears on his feet and washed his, or, and washed his feet with the hair that was on his head. It's a powerful testimony. Mary broke the alabaster box. Timothy, the recipient of two epistles at the pen of the apostle Paul. Paul said, Timothy, the reason you're in the faith today, the reason you're my understudy, the reason I called you my own son or my genuine son in the faith, my own son in the faith, the reason why I chose you to go with me here and there and preach the word of God, the reason why I left you in Ephesus to minister the word of God, the reason is because you're a man of genuine faith but your genuine faith didn't start with you, Timothy. It started with your grandma. <laughs> when your grandma, the Jewish woman, remember when she taught the word of God, when, she said to, when Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, remember from a child, what he was saying, don't you remember, Timothy, when you sat around grandma? And it wasn't only just in grandma, but it was in your mama as well. Both grandma and mom, you remember, Timothy, when, when you were a child, it wasn't your daddy because your daddy was a Greek. Your daddy didn't know Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, but your mama did. And your, come on, and your grandmother did, and they taught you the Word of God. And it, that Word that they taught you will make you complete as a man of God. And I tell you, I find inspiration in that. I find inspiration about Priscilla, who is the wife of Aquila, who ministered alongside of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. I find inspiration in Phoebe, who the Bible says she was a deaconess. Did you hear that? A deaconess of the church at Rome. And lastly, I find inspiration in Rufus's mother. Paul's writing in Romans chapter number 16, and he's writing salutation and just expressing his love and appreciation for numerous people that he's going to hopefully see again at Rome. And he says, and by the way, Rufus, I want to say God bless you and your mama and my mama too. So that meant Rufus's mama had a way about her that she would pull people around and that weren't even hers and draw them close and mother them. So even when I said, started this message, I said there's always some type of compassion in my heart for a woman 
who longed to have a child but never was able to conceive a child. And I have great compassion for you, but I want to say this. It certainly doesn't mean that you're not a mom. Come on, ladies. Come on, men. There's some dynamic mothers under the sound of my voice who never carry life in here in her womb, but they carry life in here in their heart, and they share it, and they give it to those that they love. And Paul writes, and he says, God bless Rufus, his mama, and my mama. And so to say this before I transition to the final place that I want to go, the, the book of Hebrews says time would fail me. Would you know what? Time would fail me today to tell you about all the ladies in the Word of God that you can find inspiration from. They'll help you. So ladies, let me say this. Study their lives. You can gain inspiration. The Holy Spirit can quicken something inside you. You can identify with somebody. You say, Pastor, I'm at a low place in my life. I'm telling you, you can find a woman in the Word of God who is at a low place in her life, and God picked them up. You can find something if you'll study. I encourage you to learn the Word of God. Amen. Come on. Come on. I'm going to say it till I get a woman. Jesus had a woman with a loud voice. I need one in here today that says, yes, Pastor, I agree. Let's learn the Word of God. Let's get in the Word and let's get the word in us. Right? Let's get the word in us. Now, did you know this? The scripture defines roles and creates distinction in the sexes. I believe in that. However, many of the promises of God are, I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it today, unisex. Neutral gender. Or gender neutral. Excuse me. Many, let me say it again. I don't, maybe I, I messed it up and you didn't catch it. Many of the promises of God are unisex. They're applicable to both men and women. Because Paul said, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. God doesn't love a man more than a woman. God doesn't love a woman more than a man. God doesn't value a man more than a woman. Hello? Right? God doesn't hold anything back from a woman of his great gifts and goodness that he wants to put on their lives. I believe that our position, our merit, our worth, our value, our calling, and our anointings, God can, come on, he's leveled the playing field. We're complete in Christ, male or female. Now, that doesn't mean I don't believe that there are not distinctions in family and roles and even within the church to a degree, but in the kingdom of God, in our position in Christ, every lady in here should hold her head up high, right? The merit, the value, the grace, what God sees in you, and how God sees you. But today to close with, I want to contrast two women that you're familiar with. They're sisters in the Word of God, and they both love Jesus. They both love Jesus, and they're well known. This is not a passage that you're not familiar with. But they both respond to Jesus differently. Their names are Mary and Martha. Now, they're mentioned in three distinct passages in the Word of God. I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to just mentioned in the last passage the middle passage and then i'm arrive at the first passage that's what we're going to take to conclude with here today the last passage though is after lazarus their brother has been raised from the dead the bible says that the following week there's a there's a meal at the house in bethany and the bible says that lazarus is there and people came not only to see jesus but they came to see lazarus because they heard just a few days earlier he was stone cold dead. And now he's sitting at the table. And so there are a lot of people that came. 
Martha is serving in the right spirit, the Bible says that Mary comes in with an alabaster box of precious spikenard ointment, a whole year's worth of wages, and she breaks that box and she anoints the body of Jesus. And when somebody said, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, why, why? This did not go to committee here, people. We could have sold that and we could have, we could have started a benevolence ministry for a year for what was, Jesus said. He said, the poor you'll have with you always. And you can always do them good. But this woman has anointed my body for burial. And wherever this gospel is preached, so let a testimony be given for the rest. That means, church family, that when he was resurrected from the dead, when he was resurrected from the dead and appeared to his disciples in Galilee, the fragrance of spikenard would have still been upon his body from the sacrifice that Mary made. I'll tell you what, we give honor to her today. The second time, again, is when they were actually at the burial tombs at Bethany. When they were so disappointed, the sisters were, because their brother Lazarus had been sick for some time. Jesus was way off, but they sent word and said, Jesus, you know you love Lazarus. He's one of your right-hand men. You know you guys are close, but he's sick, and if you don't hurry up and get here, it's not looking good. The Bible says that Jesus abode two more days where he was. And when he got back, when he actually went to Bethany, he found out not only was he dead, he had been dead four days. And if you've ever read the story, when Martha comes to meet uh, Jesus, I'm telling you, she, she don't mind speaking her mind. She does, she, she's one of those ladies that, I mean, she'll just, you know, she's an open book. And there are uh, some under this sound. <coughs> under my voice here. <coughs> under my voice here today. There's something. You don't have to worry about what's going on in their life because they're going to tell you. And Jesus, she said, Jesus, here's what, how I feel. Oh, Master, I love you. No, she said, if you had been here, come on, you know, he's dead. We done buried him. They rolled the stone, and it's close. But if you had been here, he would not have died. Because if you can open a blind eye, if you can heal the sick of someone, I know you could have healed my brother, right? So that testimony alone is powerful. Mary's a little more sensitive. She's a little bit more reserved. When she finally sees Jesus, she does reflect the same words and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died, but she wept. I'm telling you, tears, a woman's tears can even move. Come on, somebody. And finally, that's when Jesus himself, the Bible says, and Jesus wept. He groaned in spirit and wept. And you know the end of the story. He stood outside of Bethany's burial chamber. He said, roll away the stone. The Bible says that he cried out and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the scripture says, he that was dead and had been wrapped in grave cloths, both hand and feet, came walking out by the power of God. Hallelujah. It's a powerful testimony, but it's not just about Lazarus, but it involves Mary and Martha. But they first come to Scripture in this passage that we're going to go to today to close with. And I mean that sincerely. We're going to close with this. There's not much depth here, but I want to share this with you very quickly. It's in, John, it's in Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. They're going to put it on the screen. I believe it's the 38th verse. Because the Bible says that it came to pass here that it was a certain village, which that would have been Bethany. And uh, there was a certain woman named Martha that welcomed him into her house. Now, again, to fill the story fuller, it, it's not that this was their first acquaintances. They were friends for many days and weeks and months and perhaps even years. And, and so Martha has welcomed her, uh, welcomed Jesus into her house. 
And, and to do so, she meant that, and she knew this. When she invited Jesus, it's not just Jesus. You got to picture that. It's not just Jesus. It's not, if you invite me over, it's not just Pastor Brown. It might be JoJo and Ann and Shane and Candace and Brent. There's like 32 children amongst them. And so if you picture that, it wasn't just Jesus. It was Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Matthew and Judas and Judas and Thomas. Are you hearing me today? And so Martha, she invited them over, but she knew. She said, we've we got to cook and clean. Now, some of you are excited about the dinner that you're going to have when you can get, hurry up and get me to shut up. But some of you are saying, man, I'm looking forward to everybody coming over. I'm looking for you to come and I'm looking for you to go. Right? Because you know what that means. Me and Sherry are at that place in our life now because we have, we have the, uh, the empty nest and we love for the kids to come over and we love when we see that license plate <laughs> when it's rolling out of the yard because we go, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that's the way Martha was. Now, Martha had a spirit of hospitality. She valued serving. And I'll tell you what, before I go any farther, I want to say this. Before we throw Martha under the bus here in a moment of time, I want to say this about Martha and, and, the, and the application to those that are under the sound of my voice that have this, a spirit similar to Martha. I love Martha. As a pastor, I don't know where I would be without Martha. Without Martha, we wouldn't get anything done around here. We would, we would never have a dinner fellowship. We wouldn't have Sunday school classes. We wouldn't have mission ed or girls impact ministries. We might not have greeters. I, I, we wouldn't have sometimes prayer warriors, right? So thank God for Martha. Thank God because Martha was willing. So when I see that playing out in my mind, Martha starts serving. She's in the kitchen cooking and she's cooking. And not only is she cooking, she's got to go from the kitchen out to where the men are gathered and they're, uh, and, they're, and they're teaching and she's serving them. And she sees Mary. It's obvious by the record that Martha's older than Mary. And she sees Mary. Mary hasn't moved. And for a while, I'm sure deep in Martha's heart, for a while she thought, well, this is all right. This is all right. I'm going to let her stay. She'll get up in a moment. And she'll help me because Mary has sat at the feet of Jesus and she's hearing him teach the word of God. And so Martha is serving and she's going from kitchen to living room, kitchen to living room, back and forth, back and forth. She's in the process of serving. And, and, and so as she's doing, she's saying, well, she'll be in here in a minute as she's chopping up stuff in the kitchen. And then all of a sudden she's hearing some rude disciple out there rattling his glass. And so she's thinking, all right, all right, well, I'm just going to serve. And then she goes from the kitchen back to the living room to serve. And then as she comes in, there's Mary. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and, and she's just worshiping God, and she's listening, and she says, oh, you know, and finally, after a period of time, something shifts inside of Martha. And Martha has said, you know what? Enough is enough of this. And I can just see her popping that kitchen door open, coming in the living room. She's got a rolling pin in her hand, right? She's got flour on her apron, and she's frustrated. She's probably got red hair like Jill Sorry. And I'm telling you, her eyes are ablaze. And for a while, for a while, it was good. For a while, she was contented to have little sister at the feet of Jesus. But about the fourth disciple that, come on, shook his cup, and she's trying to do it all, she had reached her melting point. I'm telling you, many of you ladies have been there, right? And the gift of hospitality can be strained. So not only can it be strained, it can be stretched and broken if you're not careful. 
And so she came rushing back in there with that rolling pin in her hand, and she didn't say, oh, Master Jesus, Rabbi, Teacher, oh, Holy One, the Messiah of God. She said, Jesus, you better do something right now. Right now, because you know what? I'm the only woman in this house right now, and Mary is sitting right there, and she ain't doing nothing. She ain't doing nothing, and I need you to tell her to get up and come. She's had her little worship time long enough. It's time for her to get up and come back in the kitchen and help me serve these disciples, or you're going to take these guys, and they're going to go, and they're going to go empty. And Jesus, that's why I love Jesus, because Jesus knows how to respond to people. Right, I tell you, I learned that, that. I preached it last week. God knows my rising up, and he knows my down sitting. God knows your personality. He knows whether you're frank, whether you'll just speak right to people where you don't have a filter, or whether you are kind. And God knows, and God loves you, and he knows how to respond. God's not taking offense at you. Right, I'm telling you, you're not, you talk to him. He, he'll respond. And he said, look at this. I love this, Martha, Martha. So he's got a calming effect. I mean, no, Jesus has a calming effect, 40th verse. He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're distracted. 40th verse, let's go a little bit farther if we can. You're worried and you're distracted and you're troubled and everything you're doing, it's good. I don't believe that Jesus was saying what you're doing is not good because what she was doing was good. What you're doing is good, Martha. You're serving. Thank God for those that serve. But he said, I want to tell you this, Martha, the meal that you're going to give us might be a great meal. I don't know what they ate. I don't know what a great meal would have been in the first century. Maybe it was a, what was it called that we had? A shawarma like we had in Israel. That's a great meal. And maybe it was the spread that we had at the, at the hotel in Jerusalem on Sabbath night. I've had, I, don't, I think that was the best meal I've ever had in my entire life. Maybe that's what the meal was like. But Jesus created a contrast. And he said, Martha, as good a cook as you are, and the things that you're going to provide for us is wonderful. But he said, let me tell you this. There's something better than that meal. There's something better than the best baked bread that comes out of your oven. There's something better than fried chicken. Come on, somebody. There's something better than the best steak that comes off the grill. And that thing that is better is called the Word of Almighty God. The thing that's better is called the Word of Almighty God. And Mary has desired to have it. And because she desired to have it, he said, I'm not going to take it away from her. So I came along to tell you today, on Mother's Day 2017, if you came here saying, how's the preacher going to identify with me? He doesn't know what I'm going to You're right, I don't. But the one thing I can tell you, ma'am, if I can encourage you at all, when you walk out of here today, determine in your heart you're going to be a woman of the Word. Be determined in your heart that you're going to start reading and meditating and hiding the Word in your heart because it will change who you are. It'll change who you are, and it may change subsequent generations below you. You can always wash the dishes. You can always clean up. People miss church because they say, well, Pastor, I had to clean the house. That's good. You can always run the vacuum cleaner. But it's a sacred moment to hear the Word of God. It's a life-changing moment. Know how we need to value it. Come on, somebody. Amen. Who's on the platform with me today? Is it you, Aaron? We're closing today. I know some of you are thinking, is he ever going to close this Mother's Day? Let me say this to you today, men and women alike. 
concerning the word of God. When you get this word inside you, change will happen. Change will happen. Can I say that again? It's 12.03. Now listen, when you get this word inside you, ma'am, it's going to change you. Just like the seed of your husband inside your womb changed you. The seed of God inside you will change you. It will change your perspective. It will change your appetite. It will change your outlook. It will change how you look. Right? You'll be changed from the inside out. I believe when you get the word inside you, peace and joy will come to your life because of your communion with the Father. Right? You'll, you'll, you'll know, you won't just call him God. Right now you're like, oh, I just want to no. know. You'll be like, Father. Find the times in Scripture where Jesus communicated. He didn't typically say God. He didn't say Elohim. He didn't say the name of God. He simply said Father, Abba Father. That was his heart's relationship. You can have that relationship with the Father. And it comes through a revelation of the Word of God. You will learn how to pray and to communicate with God. Some of you said, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, get the Word inside you. When you get the Word inside you, you'll learn how to pray. You will. Your mind will be renewed. You'll be able to think more clearly based upon a reflection upon the Word of God. You can grow in your understanding to the Word of God. And as you grow in your understanding of the Word of God, Aaron, you can begin to play. Your faith will grow. Will your faith grow as you hear the Word of God, ladies? Your faith is going to grow. How many believe that this Word will become a weapon for you against your adversary? You may be the meek and the quietest, most acquaintest uh, woman, most uh, classy woman among us. But in the spirit, man, you may come out like David, pulling out swords and shields and fighting devils and giants. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word of God, the word of God will be a sword for you. You will learn to claim the promises of God. I love that. If you don't know the promises of God, you can't claim the promises of God. If you don't study the scriptures, you won't know what God's promised you. There are promises that he's given to us, to both men and women. You will speak life over your family. Don't curse your family. Bless your family. Speak life over them. If you're married, as you get the word of God in your heart, ma'am, you will love and respect your husband, even if it's by faith. Well, I'll tell you what, they were, everybody was Smith we were tell that right there. I'm going to say it again. If you're married, you will love and respect your husband, even if it's by faith. He may not deserve it, but God deserves your obedience. Let's go farther to close. You will learn of your position in Christ. You've been made to sit. Now listen to this. I love this. Ephesians says... You've been made to sit down together with Christ. Remember what Martha wanted? She wa Mary was seated with Jesus at his feet. Martha said, get her up. I want her to serve. Paul said, you've been made to sit down right beside Mary. And you can hear the word of God. So on and on and on I could go. And I know y'all know that. And I know y'all don't want that. The fruit of becoming a woman of the word of God. A woman who puts the word in her. I titled this message, A Woman in the Word and a Woman of the Word. That's my word for you today, ma'am. You can become that. I want to have her heads bowed and her eyes closed today. I'm going to say a simple prayer with you here today. First of all, it's a twofold.